Hi, my name is Morgan. Hi, Morgan. Hey, everybody. Okay, um, I'll start. Um, I was born on November 19th, 1983. I was born to a not-so-stable mother and a drunk father, so I had a really good beginning. <laughs> um, someone once told me, you know, you have your mom and your dad, and you know, I was like, great, I have a manic depressant and an alcoholic, I'm perfect, you know. So, um, but my parents are really great people, and um, I love them. Growing up, you know, I didn't experience alcoholism as a major thing in my own household, because by the time I was old enough to know anything, my dad had already been to treatment and was getting help. And um, he didn't drink when I was old enough to remember, but he was still crazy. And... He had those rages and, you know. Um, but the person that was the most influential in the drinking part of my life, you know, was my grandmother because she's still a practicing alcoholic today. And, um, you know, my dad used to tell me that if you put me, my grandmother, and my mother in a bag and you shook us up and you and one of us fell out, you wouldn't know which one it was because we were all just alike. You know, we were just mean and everything, and I didn't like that too much, but he thought it was funny. Um, I guess that um, with my grandmother, you know, I saw how she, well, I guess I learned how she affected my mom the way she grew up, and I didn't really like how, you know, that was, so I was, a, you know, kind of afraid of my grandmother, but um, she never really did anything majorly, you know, like, I've heard people's stories about how their parents, you know, would beat them or, that, you know, alcoholic would be that mean or whatever, but she was never really like that. I remember one time I spent the night at her house with her, and uh, my brother and I were there, and we used to sleep in the big bed in the front room. After my grandfather died, we all slept there. And uh, I remember she got real drunk one night, and um, I woke up uh, uh, kind of late that night, and I couldn't breathe, and then she was on top of me. And she just, like, had passed out drunk, and she didn't, she just didn't know what she was doing. I couldn't breathe because she's a big woman. But, um, and I was trying to get my brother, I was trying to get my hand out from underneath me to get my brother to wake him up so he would get her off of me. And um, he wouldn't wake up. Cause he's just lazy, but um, <laughs> so I was trying to get him up, and we finally got her. I finally got rolled out from underneath her, and um, we went and called mom and dad. And uh, they were like, Well, we'll be over there in the morning, y'all just you know sit tight. I was like, Oh, sure, yeah. she's not laying on top of you. <laughs> um, so we went and slept on the couch, and we left her in there. But I remember she came down the hall, and you know, it was the scariest thing in the world to see somebody that you know, not really know what they're doing, you know, she was just all disoriented and everything, and, um, she was kind of like, she looked evil, you know, and, um, so the next day, um, I think we went to school the next day, but, um, I remember my dad and my mom came over there and confronted her and said, if you want to see your grandkids again, you need to get help. Well, needless to say, she didn't really get any help, but we saw her again, and, um, I remember, um, in my household, things were pretty crazy, even though, you know, both of my parents were getting help for their illnesses, and um, 
remember my mom went to the hospital one time when I was, I think, in the second grade, and my dad took care of us. And uh, he was a pretty good mother-father kind of guy, you know. And um, But um, he was uh, not very color-coordinated, so I remember it was hard to make friends. I remember he sent me to school one day with green striped pants and a red and white shirt. And, just, and I, have, I had to take pictures that day to make it even worse. <laughs> so... You know, I didn't buy the pictures, but everybody else did. So I was sitting, like, right in the middle of the picture with, you know, the green pants. So, but, um, I remember the people in the program were always there to help my dad and my mom whenever they needed anybody. You know, I grew up with a bunch of different crazy people around me. And they just, you know, they loved us to death. And it was just great to see so many people but um I remember um in my life uh I was always kind of like I thought that I had to be better than this or better than that you know and uh I had Al-Anon in me all you know but um at a young age I was I remember going in my grandmother's um little cabinet under the sink in there where she stored her alcohol and I remember pouring it down the sink you know like all great Alanons do and um but you know needless to say she just thought she drank it all and she would just go get another one (laughs) (laughs) and um I mean she drank so much and would be so drunk sometimes she would just stay drunk for weeks at a time and not have any alcohol at all you know and um that's kind of a scary thing and I remember my brother didn't seem to, he, he was one of those kind of people, you know, nothing really bothers him, you know, one of those kind of people, you know, he just hits and rolls off like everything else. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, with me, I took things, like, real seriously. I was, like, the only little kid that was, like, thinking, you know, real big thoughts. I was, like, <coughs> this real ponderer of life, I guess. And my brother, he just didn't care, you know. It didn't matter any way the wind blew. That's where he was going, you know. And, um... I remember everybody seemed to like that quality about him, I guess. I thought I was supposed to be like that, too, but I just didn't know how. You know, I was one of those people, well, if you're not thinking about something, you're thinking about not thinking, you know. And um, so growing up with him was kind of crazy because he was just one of those people and nothing really bothered him. And living in the house we lived in, you know, everything bothered me. And um, I guess that... You know, with my grandmother, <coughs> excuse me, y'all, um, she, uh, I always tried to, like, please her, you know. I'm like one of those little people pleasers, and I got that from my mom, I guess. But, um, it was, it's hard to please her, you know. I guess it's hard to please an alcoholic, but I don't really know. But she's the hardest person in my life to please because, you know, she's one of those kind of people, if you do something, she does something for you, like, ten years ago. You're going to have to remember it because she's going to remember it because you need to do something for her. And, um, I mean, I can't remember anything, so she's always getting me with, I did this for you two weeks ago, you got to do this for me. I'm like, I didn't do that for you. You didn't do that for me. But, um, um, my, um, with my grandmother, (coughs) things were very difficult, you know, with her because, when she and my mom and I got together, it was just, it was holy hit because my 
my mom would gripe at me, and I would gripe back at my mom. My grandmother would gripe at both of us for griping at each other, so we would just stay in arguments all the time. My dad was like, why do you go around her? I was like, well, you know, I have to ride home with mom, and then she stops at my mom's house, and, you know, I'm pretty much out of luck then. But it's, you know, kind of crazy, but my dad, I remember he had he had sponsors, you know, when he got in the program, he had sponsors that uh, were really, you know, just great people and I remember he had a sponsor named Conway and um, you know I thank Conway a lot you know even though he's dead now he um, pretty much saved my mom and dad's relationship because you know he was a sponsor he didn't just sponsor my dad he sponsored the whole family he would call and talk to any of us at any time you know he was just there for us and I thought that was really neat I think that's important you know <coughs> to be there for everybody in the family and um, you know my dad was thinking about leaving because I guess he just thought things were too hectic on him and you know Conway told him he's like you've been with that woman seven years drunk you need to stay with her seven years sober at least give her a chance and <coughs> he did and he's still with her so <coughs> huh but um I'm just choking y'all I'm okay um I guess that uh I've been around the program a lot, and I didn't, you know, I didn't have, when people start asking me, you know, you're going to be in Allentine pretty soon, you're going to be speaking, and all this kind of stuff. You know, I didn't really think I had that much to offer anybody because I didn't have one of those stories where, you know, people came home beating each other up, and I didn't really want that to happen, but I felt kind of left out because I didn't have that happen. (laughs) But it's a strange thing um so you know needless to say I could probably give you some pretty good stories about what went on in our that the AA group at back home because you know there's pretty strange things that happen and um kind of keeps you on your toes um but I mean there was a lot of it was a lot of kind of like emotional kind of stuff in my family because you know I grew up watching my dad who could you know he never let anything touch him you know it didn't seem like much touched him in in the sense that he would ever get really emotional and my mom sitting over there you could just pop in a little tv commercial about somebody doing this and she's bawling and dad didn't you know he didn't cry at anything but um so i i tried to you know think that i thought that the thing was that you had to be tough and take everything and um even though nothing sunk in, it didn't seem it sunk into my brother where he would have any emotions either. I just, you know, I didn't let nothing touch me. I would get mad. I would get real mad. Kind of like, you know, the alcoholic said I knew. I'd get real mad. So I remember a lady at, back home in our group, you know, I went to the dentist one time and <laughs> they give you that little orange juice stuff to make you uh, unconscious while they work on your teeth. And, um, this little boy was sitting there and he drank his he, he was kind of just sipping it you know and I had done drank mine and um he was just sipping it kind of he said it tasted bad so I grabbed his and drank his and I drank the little girls over there <laughs> and um my dad told my dad thought it was funny and uh he went and told one of these ladies in the group and she said we'll save a seat for you and I thought that was kind of mean because I wasn't like them at all and um then I remember, you know, when I poured my grandmother's alcohol out, you know, this lady now, and I said, well, we'll save a seat for you. And I was like, I'm not like you either. So 
I'm not going anywhere. And, um, you know, they, they love me anyway. But, um, I guess that, you know, growing up around, yeah, even though I didn't have the alcoholism right in my house, you know, it was around me a lot. All my cousins were strung out on stuff and, you know, it's crazy, but I remember, like I was saying, you know, about the emotions and everything. Um, when my grandmother died, my father's mother, um, you know, she was like my best friend. She's a little old woman about this tall and um, from Ireland, and she was crazy. She saw things that weren't there, but, um, you know, she, uh, she was real, you know, I loved her to death. She was my best friend, and when she died, you know, my dad didn't, he didn't cry, but I guess he, he didn't cry because, you know, he knew she was going somewhere better, but, you know, when I saw that, I figured that's how you needed to be. You didn't need to let nothing, anything touch you, so that's how I tried to grow up. And needless to say, you know, now I'm having a little trouble expressing my emotions around people because I never really did when I was growing up. I think I'm already grown, but um, um, anyway. I think that when I got into Alateen, you know, even though I was around the program a lot, when I got into Alateen a lot, when um, I started doing the things like the conventions that you hear teenagers talk about, DSAC and COLA, that's when, you know, I started to understand what emotions really were, and I started to, you know, I guess get in touch with them. Sounds kind of funny, but um, you know, that's when I started to realize that there there was reasons for crying, there was reasons for laughing, and, you know, this program shows you what they are. I guess it's, it did it for me. Um, you know, I remember my, um, my mother, she had a lot of kind of, you know, the friends that would call, you know, she, I remember she called her sponsor one day, she's like, I just don't feel good, I'm just laying on the couch, nothing's going my way, she's like, well, you haven't even got up today, you know, nothing's going your way, you're not doing nothing, and, um, you know, that's the kind of people in Al-Anon and AA, you know, they, they kind of give it to you straight, they tell you what you need to do, you know, they told her to get up off her butt, you know, things might go your way then, and, um, I remember there was a lady that my mom used to talk to a lot, you know, when I got in Tallahassee, I asked her to be my sponsor. Well, needless to say, after I asked her to be my sponsor, she quit coming. So I figured, you know, what I do, if you know, must have done something wrong, she quit coming. Then I asked, and you know, everybody was like, you need a sponsor, you need a sponsor, because by this time I'd already told my story once, and you know, I felt kind of guilty because I hadn't really done anything in the program, like work my steps or anything. I kind of felt like I was not doing what I was supposed to be doing. So I asked this other lady. And then after I asked her to be my sponsor, she went back out and got drunk. So I was like, darn. I just felt like I couldn't win for losing, so I asked another lady, and I think, oh yeah, she moved. She moved away. So I was like, <laughs> maybe somebody's trying to tell me something, maybe I shouldn't be doing this at all. So I kind of like, you know, kind of got out of the whole thing about being happy, joyous, and free, I guess. I just, uh, you know, kind of like laid back, and um, there was a lot of things around me, like people that I knew started my teenage friends and everything started to go out and party and everything. And I could have, you know, if I would have snuck out, but, you know, my dad probably would have caught me. And um, I remember my brother, he started going out, and uh, 
doing things. And I remember when he left and went off to school somewhere else, he came back and he was talking about all these great stories about these colors he saw and stuff, you know. I was like, what? And, um, you know, my, <clears throat> you know, it turned out that he had been experimenting. <laughs> but um, even then, you know, I felt like, you know, he did something wrong and they didn't catch him. You know, I felt like that my whole life. My brother would do something and he could get away with it. You know, the first time I even thought about doing it, somebody pegged me. <laughs> so I just, you know, I didn't get a chance. I didn't think I had a chance to do anything really wrong. And even though I was still getting griped at all the time. So, like, I just figured, you know, I might as well just stay home, not do anything poor fiddle for me, you know. And, um, I remember, um, you know, riding home with my mom a few times and, uh, to show you how I thought that my brother got everything. I remember he, my grandmother worked at this store where she did alterations on clothes and my brother got, you know, two bows were the big pants to wear, you know. And he got a pair, like, every once in a while and I was just had to wait until he grew out of them or he got too many holes in them so I would get those pants and I felt like you know I want my own pair and my mom was like every time my grandmother that was her way of doing things or getting us to come back to her was to give us something so every time it got to my turn where my grandmother would give me something my mom was like you can't take that from her she just wants you to do this I was like mom come on now you know it's my turn I want a pair of pants tired of wearing these holy breeches and um you know it didn't seem to ever work out for me, I didn't think, you know, and then my brother got a bike, and that was, that really made me mad because I'd always wanted a bike, you know, I had these broke down tricycles trying to ride them around the house, and it just wasn't happening, so, you know, I think I got, I think I got the bike, and, um, needless to say, my mom was not too happy about that because she just knew my grandmother was going to come over there and want us to do something for that bike, you know, but, I mean, she probably did, but I can't remember. Um, no one heard she did, but I always felt like, you know, my brother got to do everything. I guess I guess you do that when you have an older sibling, you know. They get to do everything first, and he always thought I got to do everything because I was a baby, but I didn't really think so. I mean, but who knows? He's probably right. Um, but, um... Growing up around around you know the program, every, every time I started to feel sorry for myself, like for that, you know they got something I didn't. You know I would just look around and you know people would always put me in my place, kind of like you know they were, they would tell me you know I didn't get that either, you know, but I turned out alright. I was like yeah sure, and um, I guess I learned to deal with things a little bit better. Everybody always told you like whenever I felt out of place, something all these other teenagers were doing. Their excuse was, you're just more mature because you have the program. And I was like, yeah, whatever. You're just trying to tell me I'm crazy or something, you know. But that's all everybody ever told me. You know, you're just more mature. You have this, and you're just more mature. And I was like, well, I don't feel like I'm more mature. And then I go somewhere else, people would just say, you're childish. So I couldn't figure out what I really was, you know. And um, I grew up thinking that... Uh, I was, I didn't have the thing where I thought I was different than everybody because, you know, I could see that there were a lot of people that were just like me out there because a lot of people had, you know, crazy moms and dads and I just felt like a part of it. I didn't really know how to tell people, you know, I didn't ever feel out of place because I had AA around me or Al-Anon around me or Alateen, you know, I felt kind of, it brought me closer to people, I, I thought, because I guess 
I just didn't know any better. I didn't really know about anonymity, really, but um, I didn't feel left out in that sense. The thing was to me that even though my parents never really did ever get on to me bad about things, you know, I had this little thing, I guess they call a conscience, that always kept me out of trouble, you know. It was like I would sit there and I'd be thinking about something. I wanted to go out and do this, you know. I had every every justification in the world. I could justify it, you know, to tell you that everybody else was doing it, and they really were because I seen them. And um, but this little thing was like, you know, you really shouldn't be doing that. And I was like, it got me every time, you know. My parents didn't even have to get on to me. That little voice in my head was getting on to me, you know. And um, so I. I haven't really ever done anything really stupid yet, but um, you know I'm not grown yet, so um, I guess that um, the the real big part of my uh my program that I'm working today is is the Alatine conventions that I go to that are called DSAC and COLA, and actually I'm the chairperson for the COLA convention this year. My brother just um, I don't really know if you would say resigned, but he just got out of the office part or whatever for the past two years, and now I'm going to be doing it. And um, That's a real special part of my life, I guess, because, you know, a lot of people would tell you that's the only places like this and, and COLA and stuff are the only places where a whole bunch of crazy people can get along. And um, I guess that... For the teenagers, it's it's probably the only place where you could find, I mean, real good friends because even though you don't see them every every day, I guess it's true that absence absence makes the heart grow fonder kind of thing. I didn't believe that, but I guess I do now because you know when I see the people now, you know, I'm just glad to see them because I know they'll be there. And um, the thing is that you know. I started, you know, I started working my program now. I got a sponsor. I actually have one now, and she's still around somewhere. I see her once in a while, because um, we have like softball games and baseball games complete with each other, you know. But she's there, and um, you know, um, they all talk about how great it is that we have Alateen now because you know keeps us. It starts to help us get sane before we go crazy and then be crazy adults. And, um, I, you know, um, I started talking to her. I was like, when they called me to be here, I was like, you know, man, I really need to start working on my program because I really don't have anything to say to anybody. And um, she was like, well, we'll get started, you know. And then I was like, oh, great, she's going to move or go get drunk or something too, watch. And uh, she didn't. So... You know, she started telling me this thing where, you know, you do the first three steps every day of your life, you know, kind of thing. And I kept looking at them. And, you know, I always thought that I knew them because I could recite them to everybody because I've been around the program since I was T90. And, um, you know, started looking at them. You know, my dad's one of these kind of people that thinks things really, I mean, he really thinks things through. You know, he kind of makes you go crazy when he's looking at a step because he's like, he picks it apart and he's like, this is what it really says, you know. And... I was looking at him, you know, thinking about this is what it really says, you know, and making myself go crazy. And, you know, everybody that I know has gotten to the number four, and they're like, well, let's just go down to number 12. And um, that 
that's the part that, you know, scares me, you know, the, the number four step here. Um, I kind of relate it to, like, because I play softball, you know, that number four is usually the cleanup batter. That's the cleanup step, I guess, because, you know, you have to just get everything out. And, um, you know, a lot of, I remember somebody told me one time that, you know, you know, you really need to love yourself in, in, in order to make these, this program work. You know, you really need to know who you are. You need to really know and get in touch with yourself, you know. I kind of thought that was funny, but um, it makes sense, you know, because this year a lot of things have started, I guess because I'm actually growing up, a lot of things started to happen in my life, you know. I'm actually seeing people that don't agree with me on everything. And, um, you know, they're, they're starting to, life's kind of starting to hit me in the face, you know. And um, I've had some problems with people because I'm not a really good people person, I guess. But, um, you know, um, there was, you know, at school this, this past couple of months, this girl has really been getting on my nerves, you know. And I would go to the meeting every day and talk about this one. This girl was getting on my nerves. I just, you know, I was like, I was going to hurt her. And um, that was my kind of thing. You know, remember my dad told me one time my brother came in. We were playing, and we knew brothers and sisters get into a little tussle, and we actually hurt each other before we get finished tussling around. And he hit me, and I cried, and I told my dad. And then he was sitting down there, and uh, we started pinching and pulling hair and stuff. And my dad came and separated us. He goes, I'll say y'all sorry. And my brother was like, I'm sorry. And I was like, I'm sorry. And I walked back in my room, and then I come back out a little while later. He was watching TV, and I had a stick in my hand. I just cracked him over the head when he wasn't looking. <laughs> my dad said that I probably got that from him, you know, because I wasn't going to rest until I made sure somebody got hurt just as bad as I did. I probably hurt him worse. And um, so, you know, that was my kind of thing. I always wanted revenge on people. You know, I'd wait till they weren't looking, and I would hurt them. And, um... Needless to say, you know, uh, this year, you know, my guidance counselor was like, you know, Morgan, you really need to just settle down, you know, be be nice. And I was like, I want to be nice. And then, um, and I went to the to the meeting, and, and my sponsor was like, well, maybe you're jealous. I was like, you know, that's the thing you hate to hear. The person that you hate the most, you're actually jealous of them. <laughs> I was like, no, but you know. Maybe I am. I haven't figured it out yet. You know, I've been going through, what am I really, why am I really mad at her, you know, all that kind of stuff. I haven't figured it out yet, but, you know, I hope I do soon because I just don't want to be jealous of her, you know. I don't want that to be the thing. And um, there's got to be some other kind of logical explanation for why I don't like the girl. And, um, you know, going through this program, you know, I found a lot of people that have been there to help me through kind of things like that. And, um, you know, I'm thankful for those kind of people that helped me. And, um, you know, a lady died not too long ago. The one that had asked to be my sponsor earlier in, when I started the Alexian program, I asked her to be my sponsor. Well, she died not too long ago of cancer. And um, it kind of woke me up to the fact that, you know, she might have been older and everything, but um, she was a really nice person. and. She needed to stay here longer, I guess, because I thought she was the kind of person that would keep, you know, Alan on going around there. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, there's just a lot of people are quitting and everything.
I'm just now starting to get to the place where I think I'm already supposed to have been, if that makes any sense. Um, I think that, uh, you know, you know, everybody was talking about this real spiritual program kind of thing. You, know, you need to get up every morning and thank God, and then before you go to sleep, thank Him again, you know. Or ask Him to help you in the morning and then thank Him at night. But, um, you know, I kind of lost touch with that, and I get maybe that's why I think it's kind of going hectic in my life right now, because, you know, I hadn't really been doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And, um, you know, I think that that even though I may not, you know, to me, I guess I didn't always seem like I was the sanest person around, but I think that the program has helped me a lot to be, you know, okay with me. Because I remember one time the lady told me, you know, you really need to love yourself. You need to go, I don't know if anybody ever told you all this, but, you know, you need to go in front of a mirror and nude and, you know, look at yourself. And I was like, I don't really want to do that, you know. <laughs> I know what I look like. <laughs> we don't need to go there. <laughs> but, um... I didn't know I didn't know if that was really true, but somebody told me that. But they may have just been fooling with me. But um, <laughs> needless to say, I have not done that. But um, I'm beginning to like myself better, I guess, because you know I'm starting to. I always thought that you had to like other people. You know, they needed to like you before I guess you liked yourself. I always wanted well, I always wanted people to like me first, I guess, and um, you know. A lot of my friendships that I thought were like really good friends have kind of been tainted by that because I always wanted them to do the work. I guess I always wanted them to be the ones that were like trying to make things right or whatever. I just knew that I was okay, so they were gonna have to work on themselves. And um, but needless to say, I've been looking, and I know I'm not perfect, but I'm close. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> Um, I just, um, yeah, I thank the people around me for being there for me, you know, because I have, I have people that I know are going to be looking out for me for a long time to come because, you know, that's what I guess this program is all about. You know, this is just a fellowship of being around people that you can, it's weird because you can relate to them. You might not know them, but you can relate to them, and that was always scary to me. I didn't want nobody to know what I was about. Because I didn't know what I was about, but um, I think that um, I thank Alatine for being there for me because it's been a real big part of my life, especially the um, the conventions that I go to. That there are like 300 kids there. That's pretty neat. And um, you know, I always used to think the kids enjoyed the cold Indies act the most, but you know, I've seen people come, older people come down there. You know, they just have a great weekend. You know, it's kind of neat to see older people. I guess my dad kind of cleared me up to the fact that, you know, that was when they were drinking. They didn't have that part of their life, so they're trying to be teenagers now. He, <laughs> he thinks he's 17. But, um, you know, I appreciate everybody being there for me when I really needed them, and that, that's what Cole and Indy said there for, I guess. You know, it's spanned out like six months apart or something, and um, they kind of come like little boosters when you need them, so... I enjoy them, and uh, I appreciate y'all letting me come. Thank y'all.